0: You are watching The Remnant Radio, a crowd-funded show where we interview pastors, teachers, historians, and theologians from different churches and denominations. My name is Joshua Lewis, and this is my co-host, Michael Roundtree. Together, we want to help you break outside of your theological echo chambers. If you're interested in learning about history, theology, or the gifts of the Spirit, this is the show for you. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Oh Man, we're excited to talk about... We are thrilled, thrilled to talk about heresy. Yeah, I am thrilled to discuss the false teachers. Um, I, I don't know how to,
1: how to say that. You get now. just a little giddy to beat up on people? No. I is don't. that what you're saying? That is
0: not. That is my... It's least actually favorite, the opposite. My least favorite thing to do. It is your least um, favorite. So let's get a little bit about what you what can expect for this episode, um, and then we'll talk about some of the upcoming stuff we have coming down the pipe. Sure. Uh, man, in this episode, we just really want to talk about um, defending what we love, right? Because... Uh, I think it's Augustine You talked about uh, the love of God and how if God really loves something, he protects it, right? Um, because God is love, God is justice. Because God is love, he uh, brings right judgment onto things that violate um, his love, that come against his love, that war against his love. Uh, thus, we are uh, talking about the false teachers and false teaching, because uh, we love, we care. We care about right doctrine. We care about right practice. And this is not, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, our goal and attempt to assert our dominance and authority and power over uh, the teachers of the internet. But it's our desire uh, that we would uh, tell you why, why we confront these kinds of things and why we would encourage you to confront these kinds of things, because I I do believe it's what the scriptures prescribe us to do. Uh, So without further ado, uh, Michael, how you doing, man? You looking forward to this? Uh, yeah,
1: I uh, I am looking forward to it. I, I can't say that I'm I'm giddy about it, like you, but uh, <laughs> no, uh, I'm excited about it. And and also, just even before we jump into this show, uh, excited about some of the shows that we have uh, coming up. We've got uh, uh, reviewing the prophetic statement that came out, that we're super excited that this came out. Jo- you were actually working on one of these. <laughs> yeah, so, uh,
0: yeah, I think I might have turned it up too loud there, uh, but the... Uh, the statement that I was working on was a statement on healing, an ecumenical statement on healing. And I wanted to go through the next five, 10 years to work on a very comprehensive theological statement on the gifts that could be a, a statement of faith that Charismatics and Pentecostals could agree with. Um, but uh, in my process of doing that, they came out with a prophetic statement that was much shorter than what I anticipated. Uh, but man, it's it's uh, it's got some some serious pros and cons. I really like a lot of it. i really encouraged uh, that but don't a lot tell of too much. People are don't are tell, tell on too it. much because we're going to talk about That's it right.
1: tomorrow with Miller, and then we got another episode next week yeah. with Michael Miller, and uh, this is going to be a powerful one. It's going to be both sad and informative. He's going to tell his story about the, that title of the episode is being fired from a Nar Church. Yeah, uh, first time that he has told this story publicly. Uh, but he feels he needs to uh, in order to potentially save some people who are in a similar circumstance. Um, so uh, he's going to share a, a story. It's got a, a lot of pain, but it's it's going to be powerful. Uh, as you can see there, we've got Shepherd of Hermas coming up. Uh, conversation about that. Solomon's thoughts on sex. Jonathan Edwards uh, and Doug Wilson is next week. Monday or Tuesday, Josh? Uh Doug Wilson's actually a couple weeks away. A couple weeks but, away. But that's
0: a thumbnail that's coming up for an upcoming show. Yeah, there you go. So lots of awesome upcoming shows. Uh, and, and you can s- see probably nearly, I don't know, 15 shows maybe? Yeah. In the YouTube, you just go through. Like we've got months filled out of of content coming down the pipe. I'm talking to N.T. Wright right now. I'm trying to get him to come on and talk about the gifts of the spirit. Uh, we've got Sean McDowell coming on. We've got the, the the ten minute Bible hour guy coming on. We got tons of really cool. So stuff. make sure you hit that subscribe button so you get dinged. That's right. We just
1: saw somebody was on Instagram. I, I they said that did. they have been watching eight hours straight of Remnant Radio. They and watched. They watched attention? the uh, what was it? The
0: marathon. Oh, the marathon. Yeah. Okay. Watching literally watching the yeah. hour marathon. Yeah.
1: Well, we better jump in. And um, and so as we're talking about false teaching, false teachers. One of the questions we want to talk about, what is heresy? What is orthodoxy? How has the church historically judged these things? We want to talk about our approach, when we will use a name, when we won't use a name, uh, and just like a little bit of a, of a review of how Remnant radio is operated, uh, we have had times when we have called out false teachers and specific false teachings. Uh, we, we did the courts of, we did several episodes on the courts of heaven with Robert Henderson, uh, several episodes, and you just heard me allude to it uh, with Michael Miller coming up next week, but the new Apostolic Reformation, commonly called the NAR. Uh, we feel that's dangerous and needs to be warned about. Uh, when healers go too far, we did the eight hour prophetic marathon.
0: Um, this one's not necessarily the same quality of, we're not saying this is that one with the women in ministry conversation, the next one on your list. Oh yeah. That one's not not like when we categorize teaching we're not saying this is heresy, but if, if you're gonna take my honest opinion, like that has some dangerous implications Um, talking about the way that that fleshes out. And some people that are listening that are on the egalitarian side, just so you know, very much brothers and sisters in Christ. We've had you on the show. Craig Keener has been represented. Um, We had uh, the, the pastor from Storehouse Church um, why is her name escaping me? Uh, Michael Storehouse, uh, Tracy, Tracy Eckert. Eckert yeah. yeah, Tracy's been on the show. We had uh, we've had multiple women on the show talking about women in ministry. would Would wholeheartedly embrace them as brothers and sisters in Christ, completely saved. But I do believe that there is a cultural push right now uh, for the 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 viewing of male and female as equal, um, in flattening their design where I do believe there's well, something unique about masculinity and something unique yeah, about Yeah, and femininity. when you say you
1: have a problem with equality, you're not saying equality of essence. No. Male and female created in the image of God and therefore equal value and worth before God, equal capability of displaying uh, the, the beauty and magnificence right. of God and his glory. Um, but the point that you're, I, I think you're trying to make is male and female are
0: different. They are unique and yes. in being unique they have specific god like when god created adam he goes not good because it wasn't good for man to be alone he had to create woman and when they were together and complemented one another in their in their creation he said good right right so it is good to be a man and it is good to be a woman um but it isn't good for a woman to want to be a man or or good for a man to want right. to be a woman so to be and clear
1: when you when you even like parked on this issue for a moment you were not going after someone who's an egalitarian instead of right. a complementarian—that is, somebody who believes women can have certain roles in the church or, uh, you know, marriage roles or whatever—we are both complementarian. Yep. We do believe in a difference of roles in the home and in the church, but we would never call an egalitarian a heretic. Right. On the other hand, if somebody is saying. Uh, it's okay for a man to be uh, want to be a woman or a woman to want to be a man and then to actually go down that road and pursue that, uh, we would put that in the category. heretical category.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's why we bring that up in this discussion is saying that we are going to have categories of thought that we have confronted and that we've talked about from our position and saying, um, and all Christians should, have categories. They should have a category of disagree, yeah. error, erroneous error, Heresy, right? Yeah. Like we should we should have these this categories. Is, of this thought. is
1: maybe the most important thing to talk about on an episode like this. That's right, because this is where we get our pet doctrine, and and we say anyone who believes in a pre-tribulation rapture is a heretic, because that was invented in 1830, and somebody else comes around and says anyone who doesn't believe in a pre-trib rapture is a heretic, and and we go back and forth. This is not an essential doctrine. Right. Um, when you believe the tribulation is, whether you believe that it's the full 2000 years that's transpired in between the first two advents, that that's all the, the great tribulation is some believe or that you believe it's all that. I mean, we can go on and on and on the egalitarian complementarian debate. So um, here are just maybe a few categories and I have them uh, right here. And maybe we can kind of talk, uh, talk through these as we, as, as we address what is essential and what is peripheral. Okay.
0: It, I'd like to, if we can, I, I'd love to just run through that list just for people who are new to the show and they're sure. like, Hey, run what are things list. that we've covered? Because people will watch the show and they go, Hey, you've had these guys on that we would categorize as unsafe. Like everyone who watches Remnant Radio is going to have a category of someone unsafe, yeah. whether you're on the charismatic side and you see some of the hyper-reformed guys and you're like, I don't like them. Or if you're in the, the hyper-reformed side and you see some of the charismatic guys, and you're like, I don't like them. Uh, so we've done episodes. <laughs> and we've had them all. And we've had them all. We've literally had a had a category of someone on the show that would make anyone uncomfortable. Uh, but we've tried progressive Christianity, multiple episodes on New Age in the church, episodes on Gnosticism, tons of episodes on Gnosticism, multiple episodes on Moral Therapeutic Deism. We did episodes on... On the Passion Translation, non-Trinitarian cults, traveling to heaven, uh, modalism, Arianism, adoptionism, uh, 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 the overemphasized view of kenosis. I mean, we've done tons of content that is patiently, lovingly, caringly confronting these teachings and saying, we disagree strongly. Yeah. And again, we want to... With an occasion that we actually use somebody's name. That's right. Yeah. That hasn't been the norm. No, but it, it hasn't been an occasion.
1: We'll get it to when, uh, necessary. when necessary. No,
0: give us to those categories
1: because, again, that'll help yeah. us talk about
0: when it's necessary.
1: Yeah, but if there's one just takeaway I want everybody to have, it's, it's that we can put things in the right category so that we don't label things heresy that aren't heresy. Because the thing about that label is that it carries... With it, this authority of exclusion. That's you know, right. when Irenaeus identifies, you know, he writes this against heresy and he uh, and he says, you know, this group is heresy. This teacher is heresy. And and these, he has the, the historic and the traditional church and the agreement of the lowercase Catholic Church uh, behind him on this. When he and they label this as heresy, it excludes them from the brotherhood. It excludes them from the family of God. So if we start throwing around the label heresy over doctrines we just don't like, what we're doing is we're assuming a level of authority that we don't have. Now, it's one thing if you just kind of uh, you know have an opinion and you're like, you know, I, I think this is dangerous. I, I think this might even be heretical or whatever, but like we just need to know this is a powerful word we don't throw around, and when the church used it historically, they used it as part of their authority for safeguarding the doctrine of the church and the practice of the church and excluding those certain ones to say what what you are saying is orthodox, what you are saying is okay behavior or doctrine, uh, that's actually not, you're on the outside. And so we just need to be careful with that. So here's the categories. Um, that I have written down here. Okay. Number one, what are the absolutes that define core beliefs of the Christian faith? Number two, what are convictions that even though if they're not core beliefs may have some significant impact on the health and effectiveness of the church? Number three, opinions, less clear issues that are generally not worth dividing over. And then four, questions that are currently unsettled issues. So summarize one more time. absolutes convictions, opinions, questions. Mm-hmm. Okay. So absolutes, and Josh, feel free to interrupt me at any time. Sure. Absolutes, the Trinity,
0: justification by faith. Christ is returning bodily. I would just say Nicene Creed, uh, Hebrews chapter six, Protestant solas. You know, uh, the regeneration by grace through faith alone. What makes me Protestant is I hold to the solas, right? Mm-hmm. Sola Deo gloria, Sola, Deo Christa, uh, sola Christus, Solideo gloria, sola fide, uh, sola scriptura, um, uh, sola gratia. Like the five graces that it's only by God alone, grace alone. This is what I believe about the regenerated, the regenerated work um, by grace through faith alone and Christ alone, as is said in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And I see in Creed, which gives us the, the historic formulation of the Christian faith. And right. I, would, I would add into that Hebrews 6, which basically... Um is the Nicene Creed, faith and repentance, laying on of hands, ceremony washing, resurrection of the dead, baptism, mm-hmm. absolutely, or eternal judgment is the one I missed. Right. So, the, <laughs> Oddly so these, would be,
1: for the these would be absolutes. But we would also say that this, uh, to to pause even here a little bit longer, um, if somebody if somebody comes in and they say, okay, I believe in the Trinity, I believe in justification by faith, I believe yep. in the five souls, and everything that you just said, and I think it's okay to fornicate heresy? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So even though it's not in one of those creeds, one of the points that we do need to understand is that it is not just doctrine that puts us into the heresy
0: category. Yeah. It is also practice. And I should be careful too, even in saying Sola Scriptura, because again, some people can take that and say, you know, um, I have a different definition of that and the way that parses out on inerrancy or an in infallibility, or I want to call it this, or rather than that, I'm not willing to shut that door on someone Mm-hmm. Um, because they have a different view of scripture that it's still God's word, but they're confused about this or that subject of God's word. Um, and so, so I want to make sure that people understand that when they hear, we're talking about character issues, we're talking about sin, we're talking about doctrine. Those are important. When talking about mm-hmm. false teachers, you're going to, you want to quote the, the second Peter thing before you. Yeah, I thought so. No, Just because
1: I, I think it, in the category of absolutes, so I think we yeah. have to talk doctrine, but I think we also have to talk practice. That's right. And, um, 2 Peter 2, great chapter to read on this. Uh, he starts out by saying, beware of false the false prophets and false teachers, and spends a whole chapter talking about what they do. Uh, they believe bad things, but they also do bad things. And um, here's a few of them. So uh, they're, they're blaspheming. They count it as pleasure to revel in the daytime, their blots and blemishes reveling in their deceptions. So there's their teachings. While they also feast with you, they have eyes full of adultery. So sexual sin, insatiable for sin, he says. They entice unsteady souls. So they're bringing others in to their sinful lifestyle. They have hearts trained in greed. So there's money issues, accursed children, forsaking the right way. They have gone astray, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But the point is, um, so they're, they're false teachers. They're teaching bad doctrines. They're teaching yeah. bad practices. And in the New Testament, those those go together. And so, um and, and when Jesus is giving the test for a false prophet, he's he he gives us the character test. Yeah. Look at the fruit that they're producing. And so, um, so when we talk about absolutes, we want to go to the creeds. We want to go to the what does the church historically believed, not uh, not what did Richard Rohr tell me that you know, we right, need to right, believe right. what it not what does Rob Bell tell me is the new thing? That's why this progressive Christianity thing is is such a problem uh, because we have, uh, it, you know, we have Hebrews chapter one saying, Hey, we had all these prophets, but now we have this clear revelation in the Son." You know, Jesus tells us what we need to know. And then we have progressive Christianity saying, Oh, but actually we've advanced beyond Jesus. They don't say it like this, but this is actually what they're saying beneath mm-hmm. what they're saying. We've advanced beyond Jesus. And, and now, uh, we have a new sexual ethic and, you know, Jesus, he was a product of his culture or whatever, you know, and it's just. No, 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 Jesus gets the
0: final word, not you. That's right. And we we want to, I hope that we get to display that. Like, I hope people watch the show. I hope they watch this show. And they're like, you know, Remnant Radio is known for interviewing everyone, mm-hmm. right? We actually want to fight for the biblical standard of the bond of peace, like striving for that. We want to learn. We're not, we're not assuming we've got all the right answers and that we're judging everyone and everyone who disagrees with us on any mi- minor issue is some kind of heretic, Right. We 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 want to really strive for that, but we don't want a desire for an ecumenical union or unity um, to be a facade uh, and and al- allow that to be a an excuse not to stand for truth. Absolutely, right. So so when people watch the show and they're like, hey, just get back to that other stuff. No, go back and and talk about all the all the good teachings that we all can agree on or agree to disagree on. But then it's like no, because if we don't clearly articulate this is bad and dangerous and will hurt you, yeah. right? Like it's it's going to affect you and your family and your children's children if we let this one side. The Passion Translation will turn into a horrible mess where every charismatic leader starts releasing their version of the Bible. Uh, and then we've got 13 different cults literally on our hands. Literally happening. It's literally happening right now. Progressive Christianity is literally indoctrinating an entire generation of people to say that the moral ethics of the Christian faith are irrelevant. The foundations of the scripture as our authority are irrelevant. That Jesus probably didn't actually die and raise from the dead and probably wasn't born of a virgin. It's a beautiful but there some good metaphor. there's moral teachings in there. Yeah. Like, what we're talking about right now, if we don't address these things head on and say false teaching is what it is, and it's dangerous and it will hurt people, the, like again, we love the charismatic movement. This is why we do episodes on the courts of heaven. We love the charismatic movement, and that's why we do episodes on on cat curr eating yeah. jello kingdoms, right? Like we love <laughs> and the, the charismatic movement. And that's why we confront Todd Bentley and his sexual immorality. And, and 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 it's the reason that we're we're talking about this today is because real love confronts sin. Absolutely. Real love isn't willing to say let's unify and that be a right. a, a smokescreen for just allowing things right. to continue as they are. But but what we're talking about is what
1: we try to do as a show. So, you know, it's, it's like we displease everyone on some level because That's it's right. like, uh, you know, your you're tent's too broad. You're, you're having too many different kinds of people. I can't believe you would have that heretic on the show. Well, it, we have people we disagree with all the time. That's right. But they fall into the category of peripheral, not essential. And we have to make that distinction. So core. So um so we've got the first one, the absolutes. We've talked about that. Uh, the second one, convictions. Josh, if you want to elaborate on this, or I can Make convictions. Personal convictions. Um, well, they're not core beliefs. They may have a significant impact on health and effectiveness of the church. So like I would put into this category like spiritual gifts. Okay. Like, I mean, I'm very convicted. I you could n- literally never convince me to be a cessationist. That's how strong I am in it. Sure. And um, and I think obedience to God, full obedience to God requires continuationism. I do. I really do. So um, I think that's a strong and important thing. On the other hand, is it as important as the Trinity? No. Is it even, is it as important as the biblical sexual ethic? I'd say it's not even, not as important as that. It's important. It's a conviction, but I wouldn't put somebody in a in a heretical category, if they believe different, and, and especially, I mean, I mean, not just us, but, you know, we had Dr. Schreiner on the show and what we, one of the things that we found was that a lot of it was in the semantics, yeah, you know, like what we call prophecy. He calls, uh, an impression, you know, and it, I mean, we're just not going to call that heresy. I mean, we, we welcome him on the show anytime. And so it's important to me. I believe it's important to God. It's not heresy.
0: So, So, but, but even with that, like every person is going to place these in different categories, Mm -hmm. right? So like we're defining these, okay, here, here are four categories. We're going to upload the study guide in the show description. Uh, that'll be uploaded directly after the show is uploaded in the show description. Dawson put together a study guide. You can read these, they're very helpful categories, uh, but they'll help you place these doctrines into your own categories. Each person is going to say, okay, now essential Orthodox, a lot of these are going to begin to bleed over and we're not going to really tell, right? Because again, you, like with, with me, aga- the egalitarian complementarian is not an essential doctrine, mm-hmm. right? Um, you might place it in a conviction, right? Because again, like give the gifts, I don't believe you're going to grow into the fullness that God has for you, the perfect plan. I think there's a joy and a peace and a glorification of God that is present in this that's not in that. Right. Um, and I would rather you have the gifts. I would rather you have a complimentary and run church. I'd rather you have, um, you know, communion given every week. Right. But it's not necessarily, I wouldn't even put communion every week in that category. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, each person is going to label these a little a, bit different.
1: There's a little wiggle room on on which category things fall into. That's right. Um, When it comes to the absolutes, I don't think, you know, we don't wiggle on Trinity. No. But um,
0: where someone puts the gifts, where someone puts a soteriological framework. uh, But I could see someone putting like, uh, not just the sufficiency of Scripture, but I could see someone putting the inerrancy of Scripture in the essential camp. I could. Though I don't, because I believe that you can believe that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, repent of your sin, and still think the Canaanite, you know, massacre is... You know a teaching that's false and wrong and you'd be very wrong right like you'd be you'd be very wrong you, you to believe erase. in inerrancy yeah i believe in inerrancy i'd yeah. fight for it i fight for it very strongly if someone wanted just to erase that and pretend like it didn't happen or like you know oh you know they, they were trying to write about god to the best of their ability they didn't know better like like i would fight that um but i still think that person could be saved right Right, but I could see also how someone would tie the authority of Scripture into an essential category. So again, for yeah. me, I can see how still people would place some of those things. Well, in yeah, different categories. It,
1: even inerrancy versus authority of Scripture. So inerrancy, if so, it. If somebody was to say, well, you know, the scripture is my authority, whatever it says I do, I must do. It is God speaking to me. It's not just say like Pete Inns will say like, well, this is what God's kids were saying about God and they got some of it wrong. Yeah. You know, like to me, I actually call that heresy.
0: No, and that, that like, would, the Nicene Creed would say that right. because uh, the prophet, the spirit has spoken through the prophets, like talking mm-hmm. about the scriptures. Right. Um, so I would, I would agree with right. that
1: Right. So. Um, So if they're saying, well, that's just what God's kids said and there wasn't a real exodus and there wasn't a real, um, you know, taking over the promised land or any of that stuff, uh, it, you know, I would say uh, I would call that heresy because I would say that completely disagrees with everything church history has believed. Yeah, that's new. Agreed. OK, I mean, not new as in the heresy never was come up with, <laughs> right? But, but new as in the historic church never embraced it. Um, however, if somebody was to say something like. You know, I, I I think, you know, some of the data figures in the Bible, you know, maybe don't maybe match. Sums. And, uh, you know, the true doctrine of inerrancy says that in the original autographs that it was without error. Right. And right, right. so uh, we don't actually have any of the original autographs. Now, we do know that we we have it down to like 99.9% accuracy and, and we have some give and take and some problems awaiting discovered solutions and that kind of thing. I just wouldn't get into like the 0.1%. Calling somebody a heretic. Right. But if they were saying the scripture is not my authority for life, I would say that's heretic. Agree. Agree? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Cool. So, um, but so we move from absolutes to convictions. I, I put spiritual gifts in that category. Third one, opinions, issues that are less clear and generally not worth dividing over. Would Eschatology. You, eschatology well you, you we divide over it <laughs> for sure i'm gonna put all millennialism is uh absolute i'm just no. kidding <laughs> no um but uh yeah i i would say you you're
0: right I think eschatology you yeah, right like eschatology. like i could totally do ministry with someone who was post-trib amel post-mill yeah like I, I could just do ministry
1: with yeah. that person and then you have uh church governance right so you've got congregational Could verses. you? Do, could you could you not well, split over that huh well that's split. why people split well, okay well what do you mean by split call someone not a Christian because they believe in apostolic succession
0: no I mean like physically split like again these categories right they're written in such a way like we we shouldn't divide over over uh uh you know eschatology we could do church together and work together in a local church uh-huh. but like if our convictions are different on like again, if, now, if you're I, all like I, Elder Run and I'm all about congregationalism, w- like it's going to be hard to,
1: to do church together. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. I was thinking more in terms of just what is heretical or what is not heretical. Sure, sure. So,
0: um, I But I think, s- again, when you get to something that's labeled opinions, we're not talking about heresy. Like we're talking yeah. about like <laughs> the way that we interpret a given subject. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then there's like questions that are uncertain and unsettled issues. Like what are demons? Are they the... Is it okay, okay off, off is it okay to have a tattoo uh show us the tattoo josh i don't have one i can't show it on air <laughs> no okay that's not true uh i just don't have one um okay so so in in talking about these categories it's helpful um and I think it's really important that when we when we talk about these, these categories that you and your church and you and your family, you begin to line some of these out for yourself, that you begin to think in these categories uh, so that when you hear something, uh, because one of the things that we do online right now is there are entire ministries dedicated to listening to YouTube videos and hearing something, one little fragment of a thing that they dislike. And what they'll do is they'll create a, a video on it uh, explaining why this is heresy, Instead of knowing the context of that person, I mean, frankly, I think you could watch Lori Craig's episode yesterday, uh-huh. right? Not knowing anything about her ministry, it was a powerful episode. If you a haven't seen it, very any, powerful episode. You need to see that episode, and you could watch fragments of that and make her say things that she did not say because we didn't have the time yeah. to unpack some of the things that I know she believes.
1: Yes. So yeah, there so, were some things I wanted to dive in on more. Yeah. Um, this is this would be one of the things that makes me hesitant to use somebody's name. Yeah, when it comes to false teaching, because now now there are those who say like, I hear them clearly teaching something wrong. I don't need to listen to a 100 sermons if I've heard them once say Jesus never came in the flesh, right? Like that one time is enough for me to say that person's a a heretic. And if people are following that person, my responsibility as a shepherd is say, don't follow him that guy by that name. I only have one sermon for him. That's all I need. Sure. If I have another person who I've never heard them say anything wrong, but I kind of get the gist that maybe they sound a little prosperity-like, you know? Maybe they're just seem kind of health wealth. And it's like, well, if you listen to one sermon and they're saying like, hey, if you give and God will bless you, like, yeah, you can defend that with the Bible. The question is, I'd, I'd have to listen to a bunch of sermons to really determine, is that
0: their approach like throughout their ministry? And, and
1: they're just issues. That's just one example.
0: Like, let's say you, you hear one guy stand up and say, you know, Jesus is the brother of Satan. And his entire sermon is explaining how Jesus is the created brother of Satan. You and I would go, that's enough. Like, I can literally listen to that one sermon and go, no, thank you. You can literally have someone stand up and say, Adam was as much God as Jesus was God. He was God manifest in the flesh, not even subordinate to God. And we go, yeah, that's enough. Like, that's (laughs) that's clearly heresy. We don't believe that trash. Like, get it out of here. Now, it's different for someone to come along and you hear someone say it's always God's will to heal. Do we disagree with that? Yeah, we disagree with that. Is that can well, that be dangerous? But, and but hurtful? Even there, I would need nuance. Because I need nuance. I, I
1: do believe you would say that. Yeah, because I do believe it's always God's will to heal ultimately. Right? And the resurrection. Yeah. Like one day, you know, you get your arm chopped off. You're gonna get a new arm one day. Yeah, resurrected resurrection arm. Don't you worry about
0: a thing. Okay, (laughs) that healing is a coming. Okay, so so. now that will be a really cool in this age miracle. Sure, I I would really like to see that. But no, 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 for sure. Uh, But 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 to that point, what we're saying is um, there there are categories of error that we want context for. Now, if I hear someone talking about again, I hear someone talking about a particular sin and they're talking about how to witness to a person. Again, Lori's a great example from last week and talking about loving a person into the kingdom and kind of a friendship evangelism model and these kinds of things. And you're hearing this explained, you, you could walk away thinking, bro, you're not even using the law to condemn. Like that's this is a required thing. That's how people are brought into the kingdom is they have to repent of their sin and believe. How are they going to repent of their sin if we haven't told them that it's sinful? right? They have to know what is the thing they're being saved from. You know, we've got to explain this to them, like get to it, you know? And what they don't hear is that those things for Lori take time. And she does, in fact, confront those issues and does, in fact, confront those sins. Uh, But the context in which we do that, the heart posture in which we do that, we didn't cover that on that episode. So you, you want to give yourself and the one that you hear speaking, the the I don't know the dignity give them the dignity to say I need to double check I need to invest some time into researching and studying I didn't want to bring this up but I think it's a fair example okay Mm -hmm. I did a Facebook post
1: oh here it is
0: okay Here. that was clearly not about Stephen Furtick OK, it except wasn't except
1: that it had a photo of Stephen Furtick because
0: I think pastors want to be him. And so they wear skinny jeans okay. to be Stephen him. Furtick the point has
1: some legit quads. OK, so
0: here's <laughs> he's got that some, was the point. He's he got was, some quads, he bro. He was the image in which I think people want to be right. He, like it was a compliment. OK, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. OK, and everyone' in college. Okay, <laughs> Some people don't up. have the context. It was, They don't. You tell them what the meme was. Yeah, you can go check it on Facebook. Ultimately, what was coming down in the comments were people saying, well, you should you should rebuke Furtick. Here's the thing. I've heard Furtick say a couple of things that I didn't like. I really I, mean, I go to I go to Matt Chandler's church. We know that there's like there's a little drama with the elephant room stuff. OK, we've 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 been there, done that. I'm not willing to stand up and say Stephen Furtick's a heretic because I haven't done the legwork of watching the content. I haven't heard him say that Jesus was the brother of Satan. I haven't heard him uh, commit one of the historic heresies that we see in Scripture. Does he endorse sin and 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 make it like a a non-issue? Does he preach a false gospel? I, I haven't listened to right. enough. That, that, that's a particular issue where because because what
1: Furtick is commonly accused of it, one of the one of the things is that uh, he's a motivational speaker that occasionally uses the Bible verse a Bible right. verse right 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 now. If that was true, not of Furtick, but of anybody, that would be a bad thing. I would agree. Because Acts chapter 20, an elder is entrusted with preaching the full counsel of God. Uh, And and so in order to preach the full counsel of God, I've got to talk hellfire and brimstone. I've got to talk topics that are not comfortable, right? Uh, Now, to to know whether Furtick or anyone for that matter does that, we'd have to listen to a lot of sermons. That's very different from saying something that is outright heretical.
0: And frankly, I don't have enough time in my life to listen to every popular preacher to let you know if they're a heretic or not. What I do have enough time to do is realize that when the people that God has entrusted us to speak into their life to whatever capacity, like I'm not Remnant Radio's pastor. Like that doesn't exist. Like you have a local church pastor, but when the people that I'm trying to care for I'm trying to uh, teach to whatever capacity we can I'm trying to inspire with some of the guests that we have on the show when they reach out to us and they say hey I've been listening to this guy what do you think of him like mm-hmm. this seems dangerous I go yeah. man there's some bleed over there's some crossover in particularly you'll hear me talk a lot about the charismatic movement mm-hmm. and not a lot from the kind of self-help movement because that's not really as dangerous to the community that we're surrounded by uh-huh. so, so we, you'll find us do more stuff on charismatic practices that are out of bounds just because that's our audience that's our community that's our tribe
1: yeah yeah absolutely and and one of the things that is we were talking about nuance earlier and the need to be able to like listen to a fuller breadth of someone's teachings um and, and I remember when we had todd white i mean we've we've not caught any more flack than what we caught for the Todd white interview i mean that was that was the one right right and um we had him on and and the kind of the biggest thing was the kenosis deal did jesus stop being god when he came to this earth now orthodoxy is no jesus has always been god he set aside his d- divine privileges and, uh when he came to this earth but he didn't cease actually being god that's right right so um so we have these clips and people will put these all over the internet and todd white saying you know Jesus didn't come as God. He came as man. Now, you just take that segment, and that sounds heretical. It sounds like he is, uh, he's saying that Jesus stopped being God. Um, but then you were listening one time to one of Todd's sermons, and you heard him say, Jesus never stopped being God. He was always God, but he came as a man. Never stopped him being God. And you're like, I,
0: I think he might mean something different. And so that's why we had him on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I I, I heard him say, he jumped on and he was like, yeah, man, Jesus never stopped being God. And I was like, huh? And then he goes, and then he laid aside his divinity. I go, huh? Like, like he must mean divinity means something different. Like he, he He is not using, you keep using that word. And that word does not mean what you think it means, right? Like that old princess bride. uh, meme. And I was like, I think we're talking past each other. I think he's trying to use modern language to explain how Jesus came to the earth. So I sent him an email and was like, hey, man what do you think about coming on and and, and helping? <laughs> what do you
1: think about Jesus being God? Yeah,
0: like I, I, go, I go, I think, and I said this literally in the email, I think you might be Orthodox, right? Like I don't, <laughs> not positive, but I'd like to find out. Like, I think you might be Orthodox and we've got a bunch of evangelicals, charismatics who follow our channel. And I think we'd like to figure this out. Like, can we, can we talk about it? And his overwhelming response is like, you know what? You guys are helping me. This is helpful language. This uh-huh. is a helpful way to speak. Didn't know. That's like, Great. Now, now. Anyway, that's yeah. that. So, but the point is that w- our goal is not
1: to jump on everybody who it's like um, maybe they misspoke. Even if they misspoke on an important matter, we we want to we just want to be careful about being overly uh, over the top. What's the word, Josh? I don't know. Um, Extreme. Well, yeah, whatever. But um, you know, we're not a discernment ministry. Okay. We are, I think, a ministry with discernment. There you go. So Man, I like that. So, so that's we're, be we're one not our a, new taglines. We're not a ministry that like our goal is to find what's wrong with people. Yeah. Okay, okay. So like, you know, one one channel has has found what's wrong with you and I and called us blasphemers and and created graphics and like made our faces like all squished and expanded, made us look really ugly. I mean, you gotta really try to do that, you know? Sure. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Okay, so anyway, and called us blasphemers and all this. We're not that. And and we and we as Christians really shouldn't be that. Um you're over there kind of smiling at me.
0: Yeah, no, it's Yeah. I, I don't disagree, yeah. man. I think okay. I think the, the gospel is is a thing that we have to We have to protect. We have to defend. Uh, You know, when we look at the apostolic witness, when we look at Jesus, when we look at the apostles, they were guys who were willing to call out false teaching. You know, Mm -hmm. when we look at the Bible in the New Testament, of the 27 books of the New Testament, 26 of those books calls out false teaching and false teachers. Like, Mm -hmm. that's every single book except Philemon. Yeah. Okay. Every single New Testament book. Which That like, was like, that's a one chapter book that had just a very, He just very ran specific, out of paper, man. Yeah, he, he ran there's out just of no,
1: papyrus, dude. There's just no way. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, we got a question here um, from RAR, just BJ Allen reposted it. So from RAR17, oh, is there it. a difference between a false teacher and a heretic?
0: Is there a difference between a false teacher and a heretic? Well, at least in, in potential uh, in that the Bible categorizes a false teacher as someone who has bad doctrine or a person who is doing this for unethical purposes, whether it is for selfish ambition, for financial gain, um, or is going to manipulate people in such a way. So it could be... I mean, heretic by definition is something that is um, contrary to the doctrines of the faith. It's just erroneous teaching, right? Mm -hmm. So, But false teacher in the scriptures and the way the Bible uses it seems to also apply to that as someone who... uh, it could be ethically in error as well.
1: Yeah. Well, and also I think maybe um, any any schmuck like you could live on a deserted island. With you going to no, say schmuck? I, I was going to say schmo, but whatever. Okay. Uh, you could live on a deserted island and be a heretic, right? Like sure. But you're probably not a false teacher if you're by yourself on a deserted island. I think the false te- every false teacher is a heretic,
0: but not every heretic is a false teacher. I like it. You like it? Yeah. Because again, like you could have no influence over anyone. You're not teaching anybody. Yeah. But you could you could be outside of orthodoxy.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I'm down. And, and I think it's also important to say every false teacher is a heretic uh, because the way the Bible labels false teachers is not people who made a mistake in what they taught in the Bible, right? Because we talk about this when we talk about prophecy. A false prophet is not somebody who's missed a prophecy. Right, right, right. Uh, a false prophet is somebody who leads people astray
0: from the one true God. And we see that like throughout all of the New Testament passages, anytime that you see false teacher, false prophet used, it is never used of a regenerate Christian ever, right? It's never used of someone who's been bought by the blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's used of someone who's trying to lead God's people astray. Right. So again, there are authentic, real Christian believers who get it wrong. Yep. There are teachers who get in their pulpit and they mispronounce a word, or they teach something that is an error, and they get down off their pulpit. Maybe you've got a resident, you know, who comes to your church, and they preach on a Sunday, Michael. Mm -hmm. He gets up, and he preaches a sermon, and you pull him down, and you're like, hey man, just so you know technically your entire sermon had to do with the chronology of from chapter, you know, 58 to chapter, you know, 60, but technically those books aren't written in chronological order. Mm -hmm. So the whole premise of your sermon was erroneous, you know, (laughs) and like, he's just a young guy and he's like, Oh man, like that was so dumb. I can't believe I did that. This happened to me in Bible school. It wasn't me, but a friend of mine. Um, anyway, so, but that wasn't a false teacher. That was someone who got it wrong. Right, so uh-huh. we pull that person aside. We tr- we teach them more accurately the scriptures, right? And then they repent. So this is actually important to talk about. Apollos was Apollos ever a false teacher? Did the Bible ever call Apollos a false teacher, or was even Apollos though he had to be shown more a, accurately the scriptures? Yes, was Apollos ignorant, or was he a false teacher? And then that creates an entirely different set of problems. You do not want to be in a position when you're calling Todd White a false teacher when in fact he's just ignorant. That's right. a serious thing. You don't want to be calling yeah. God's people false when they're just not learned it yet. Learned it. <laughs> they, done, they done learned it. It's for real. Cause Tell then me you're, I'm wrong.
1: You're, you're bearing false witness if you yeah. call someone a false teacher who's not a false teacher.
0: Yeah? You're bearing false witness if you call someone a heretic who's not a heretic. And to be fair, like we, we are using these words in categories that are not the same. So I don't, I don't want to run to, you're lying about me and bearing false witness. Because again, I think some people are using false teacher. So you and don't want to do what I just did. I, what you just did, I don't want to do that. And the reason I don't want to do that, Michael, is because again, I think some people are You're using the false word ways. false teacher in a different way. They're just saying anyone who teaches anything that's wrong, and they'll say anyone who teaches anything that's wrong is a false teacher. Oh yeah, they could be saved, but we don't have uniform language in the body of Christ, and that's what causes all these false confusion, false and teacher,
1: and false prophet in the Bible are always unbelievers. They I are agree never believers. I agree with that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So if somebody goes from, uh, they believe that it's obligatory for Christians to keep the Sabbath to they believe it's not obligatory and Christ gave us his rest and you know what and so on like if they switch on that like we're not putting those into false teacher categories no
0: we're not putting those into heresy categories it's it's massively important as Christians that we in fact mark these individuals right in 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 Romans people come. why why are we talking about this why are we talking about false teachers all the time like Josh just teach what's true Why, why, why do you have to talk about the false teachers just teach the truth it's like you know at the mint you know, we don't we don't teach them all the different false bills. We just give them the real bill, and they just play with the real bill over and over, and they can detect the false. And the problem is, the Bible doesn't tell us that. The mm-hmm. Bible in Romans 16, 17 through 18, And I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division among you and create obstacles contrary to the doctrines that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve the Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattering, they deceive Uh, The hearts of the naive and in in the new in the new King James, in the King James version, the only authorized version, it actually says, mark them, mark those. It's telling the church to say, hey, those individuals who are teaching false teachers that are false teachers, make sure that you tell everyone. This person is an enemy of the cross of Christ. They are dangerous. And if you and your family fall into that category, you're going to stumble and fall into heresy. What's going on, Michael? What did I do? <laughs> yeah, I'm cracking you up, dude. Uh, Am I talking I to you, I, you just seriously? Thought of a,
1: I thought of a bad joke. So, okay. Uh,
0: just, let's keep it. Okay. Let, let, let's keep it on point, Michael. <laughs> okay. Uh, so 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 with this.
1: Well, I just wanted to know that if you mark them, no, you, no. Is, is it on their their right hand or their forehead. forehead.
0: They've already been marked. We're just letting everybody else know. (laughs) Okay. That's all. That's all. Sorry. Um, Had to.
1: Hey, but you know, I actually, I think it's important on occasion that we name them because in the Bible, they name them. That's right. And you're, you're kind of saying that, but, uh, I want to just give you guys a few verses where individuals are called out. There is an occasion when an individual needs to be called out. We've called out robert henderson on the show yeah. and somebody said well you need to have robert henderson on the show and defend himself and all of this and hey, i get it we want to be as gracious as possible but he is teaching heresy we yeah. we have a
0: policy we don't invite heretics on the show <laughs> we have a standard policy and that, i'm sorry if I'm, I'm laughing or chuckling at that i don't want to make this something where we're mocking or making fun of people but like as a general standard we don't want to influence our audience with people we're confident right. teaching heresy
1: Absolutely. So uh Second Timothy four ten for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. So Demas gets called out. Second Timothy one fifteen, you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Uh first Timothy one nineteen to twenty, uh he calls out Hymenius and Alexander. Uh, for shipwrecking their faith, uh, people's faith, and he hands them over to Satan that they may be taught not to blaspheme. Uh, excommunication is what he means. Second Timothy two seventeen, and their talk will spread like gangrene. If you don't call out false teachers, their teaching actually spreads, and yep. so he calls them out by name. Hymenius, we don't know if it's the same Hymenius. I bet it is, and Philetus. So calls them out. And so these are just a few examples. Uh, and we've got another one, uh, Diotrephes and Third John 9. Uh, but it's a pattern. False teachers get called out by name. Uh, I'm not saying that every time it ever happened that everyone was called out, but enough times for us to know that there is a proper occasion for someone to be called out. And I would say that those, are, those occasions are monitored in accordance with the degree of threat right? Like yeah. if somebody is on a deserted island, they, you know, they, I don't know if they have a following of millions, okay. To go to the other side and they're teaching a bunch of mess. We'll call it out by name.
0: And, and one of the things we've got to do, and, and uh, we'll see this in first in Timothy chapter five, right? As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. Mm-hmm. And if we are preaching a message that causes people to be uh, at war with the gospel, you know, to, to fight for a different team, to fight for the kingdom of darkness, mm-hmm. right? That's sin. Yeah. it's what it is. Like you you are at war with God. and And for us to sit here and not rebuke causes not a fear, a righteous fear to be on the body of Christ to go, oh, certainly I don't want to be I don't want to be associated with this. I don't want to be teaching or preaching or believing this, you know. And even in doing this program, and, and it, it unhinges some people, and it really upsets some people. And I don't want that. I never, I never want that. And I don't want to walk away from this and being like, "Oh, yay! Today we we were a stumbling block for thirty people, and they're all super upset with us." Like, I have no desire to do that. Um, but um, there, we are part of a movement that that has been raised. With almost identical cult-like tendencies to say, if you speak out, if you speak against those who are in error, um, you don't have the authority to do that. Mm-hmm. You don't have the you don't have the power to do it. You don't you don't have the apostolic office. When you when you mature a little bit, Josh and Michael, when you guys get older and you have a larger following and audience, then you can speak out.
1: I can't tell you how many people have like called me a whippersnapper in the chat. I'm like, I'm like 40 and I have four kids. I've been married for 16 years. Pastor a church. I've pastored a church for sixteen years, for so, like over a decade. So, listen here, you whippersnapper. I mean, uh, I wouldn't call myself like an old sage, but I'm not new kid on the block. Listen, I've got more gray hair than you. you I need to sit down and be quiet. Okay, so <laughs> what I'm trying to say.
0: <laughs> sorry, I guess I, I I just took it personally. I had to defend myself. That's fine. I understand. Um, and uh, in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, when we're when we're talking about um when we're, when we're talking about this, we need to realize that. Rebuking people publicly, bringing these things up is not our, again, not our goal um, to, uh, to set ourselves up over people. Because even in saying, hey, you've done this error, the response is, you're not an apostle. You don't have a big enough audience. You don't have a big enough following to speak out against this yet. And, and my response to that is, look, God's word is our authority. Mm-hmm. I am not speaking out against this. God is. And I'm applying it rightly, mm-hmm. right? God's word speaks out against this. And I'm just applying it rightly. So we want to be sober minded. We don't want to be the guys hunting for a heretic under every rock uh, and every corner. Anyone who who teaches anything that we disagree with, that that they're a heretic. We don't want to use the heresy language to to bring ourselves in superiority over people, but to humbly submit to God's word. And if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck and the Bible calls it a duck, we're going to call it a duck.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, in in some of our and you'll see this in the uh, in the handout that we made. Um, we made. <clears throat> come on, give Dawson okay. some credit. Yeah, Dawson. Dawson made this amazing handout. You guys need to check it out. In the descri- is it in the description yet? It will be. By it the, will be the end of the this. show, for sure. Okay, so here's Craig, uh, Bloomberg. I think uh, making a, an important uh, contribution to this discussion. Here's what he says. He says our tendency has been to fight our fiercest battles at the theological periphery of evangelicalism, where we believe the limits of tolerance have been exceeded. We rarely ask who in our midst may be equally misguided and possibly even more dangerous because they have drawn the boundaries too narrowly rather than broadly. And he goes on to talk about how church history reminds us that one can become heretical by being either too broad-minded or narrow-minded. It would be salutary, a salutary exercise to survey the history of well, okay, I'll just I'll just stop there. But um but I, I think what can happen is um is that in our zeal to define heresy, We can define orthodoxy so narrowly that everything else is heresy and that itself, that narrow definition meant to protect against heresy can actually become the heresy and that heresy is pretty much always birthed from within the church. Like it's, it's not like uh, Richard Dawkins, you know, the atheist is like inventing heresies. It's birthed in the church. Largely by the very hyper theological conservative types who are like so conservative that they find some little verse that they hang on and they define it all by that.
0: So. Yeah. And I think when it comes down to it, when we talk about disagreements theologically, we need to have a real honest anthropology, mm-hmm. right? Like we really need to understand the weakness of our frame. I have a, a good friend right now named Brady and Brady uh, has been going through the doctrines of grace and learning on Calvinism. And he'll come to me and he'll ask me about this. Well, Josh, what about this piece of Calvinism? What have you, that piece of Calvinism? What about election? What about atonement? What about, he'll literally, he, he just keeps bringing it up. He's coming to me about all the Calvinist stuff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he messages me and he asks me, Hey, what do you think about this? And I'll say, you know, Brady, because he, he, he leans more on the Calvinist side. Right. And I go, well, this is, this is where I'm at, but I want you to know, like at a moment's notice. Like I, I am willing to lay this down because I realize the frailty of my frame. At this moment, I cannot see how God can be both um, the cause, the active first cause of all things, and not be morally culpable. That being said, I am a broken, fallen, sinful man. And it's possible that I will enter into heaven's gates, stand before the king of kings, and he can reveal to me, look, this is how it's done. And I'll go, oh my Lord. And I was so wrong, you know, forgive me, like I, I just I couldn't see it. and And I want to have the humble posture to say, "Look, I could be wrong about Calvinism, right? because I'm a sinful person, and I understand that my mind, my emotions, my will have been affected by sin. What I do know for certain is that God's grace is the primary factor that I put my trust in, and that he will lead me and guide me into all essential Christian truth. Mm -hmm. I'm going to place my faith in that. I know that when it comes to the virgin birth, the resurrection, the Trinity, I can have assurance in those things. But when it comes to these secondary issues that Christians disagree on, I want to have a posture of humility rooted in my anthropology. I want to have an awareness that I am broken. And because of that, I'm not going to be right about everything. Mm -hmm. Now, as that is my foundation for humility, that I'm not God, (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going to know everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm then going to enter into these conversations going, this is my, my, what I think This is what I think the scripture says. This is my best reasoning. And I think if we can have that posture when discussing with our brothers and sisters in Christ, we can both strive for an ecumenical posture while maintaining strongly the essential Christian doctrines. Right. And I think that, that a high view of God and a very, a very, um, uh, Biblical view of man. I don't want to say a low view of man, right? Made him a little lower than the <laughs> angels, right? So, so a, a, a very high view of God and a very biblically accurate view of our nature as men will keep us on a path of humility, speaking truth and love. Um, if we begin to think of ourselves more than we are, though, yeah, that's that's when we're going to get into dangerous territory. Um, so, on both sides,
1: yeah, absolutely, and I, and I think church history is a great guide in that because mm-hmm. if I think. Oh I figured this out but all these other people in church history are wrong that is the that is the perfect illustration of what pride is right everyone's been wrong except me yep and christianity is a historic Religion It's rooted in history, a historical event, Christ's resurrection from the dead. Uh, but the the doctrines and the traditions have been passed down from the very beginning and and this is the way Paul talks in First Corinthians 15 in that famous famous early creed, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. This was a creed that that was created within some say three to seven years at least 10 years of Christ's resurrection, and this was passed down from church to church to church to church. And so we we have a religion that that it, its nature is rooted in history. And so it, it, that's where I think the humility comes in, to yeah. say I'm not smarter than St. Augustine, John Calvin, Martin Luther, and every Christian ever.
0: Yeah, and, and in, in knowing our frame, there's also biblical commands and biblical prescriptions on how to handle these things, right? Uh, Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 tells us that there are going to be deceptive philosophies and deceits that come in according to human traditions, right? The demonic forces that are going to come in and trick God's people, right? In 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1 verses 3 through 7, he says, I urge you when I was uh, going to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine or to devote themselves to myths or endless genealogies which promote speculation rather than stewardship from God uh, that that is by faith that our aim and charge is for love that issued from a pure heart, and good conscience, uh, and a single faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertion. So, so you're hearing both of these passages in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, and 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7. We see that there is going to be false teaching arising. In the day of Timothy, and in the last days, it's a it's a it's a period of time in which we live where false teaching is going to arise, and we are still charged, even knowing the brokenness of our frame, we are still charged to speak out against teaching that is contrary to the faith that we have received. Yeah, absolutely. So, dude, Stephen Bancars
1: joined the chat. What's up, Bancars? Bancars, Bancars. Uh, yeah, and he tells us, "What was it? Pineapples on pizza is heresy. Agree or disagree?" Uh, I'm going
0: to put it in a conviction category.
1: (laughs) Did you like that? (laughs) That was good. That was good. Uh, Okay. Well, uh, we had a question. I mean, I can see
0: people splitting churches over that. That's worth
1: it. Yeah, for sure. Um, (laughs) What do you do? This is Paul Smith. What do you do with a doctrine like replacement theology that has borne such ugly fruit for the past 2,000 years? The fruit of demons. No. Okay. Do you want me to take it or you? Mm, you go ahead. Okay. Well, first of all, we have to define what what he means by replacement uh, theology. mean, does he mean, or, or, what or just what does it mean? Means. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, the and. What it really means is that, like, hey, so, uh, you know, you've got the dispensational theology, which is kind of like you got God's plan for Israel, then you got God's plan for church, two, people of God. two different peoples of God. And then um, and then it's the what people say replacement theology is, is like, hey, the church replaced Israel. God doesn't have a plan for Israel. He has a plan for the church. Or really, the church is the new Israel. So he does have a plan for Israel, but it's just the church is that. And so
0: I think... I uh well, well I, let's also talk about the difference between what he's talking about and the application of what he's talking about because he says hey this is born ugly fruit so are there people who are who who believe in dispensational theology that have perfectly good fruit, or people who who believe in replacement theology that are perfectly good fruit. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. absolutely And
1: and I will also say, usually people who do believe in replacement theology don't prefer that term. (laughs) No, no doubt. (laughs) They'll prefer the term like fulfillment theology or something like that.
0: Because it can produce anti-Semitism.
1: And there's also nuance because those who do believe, for instance, that God has, that the church is, like if they look at Galatians 6.16, where it says that the church, uh, where they'll say... it, it. Paul uses this phrase, "The Israel of God." Many people understand that to be a reference to the church, and some would say, "Oh, you believe in replacement theology. Well, the person who believes in replacement theology will say, Well, I do believe that the church is the fulfill fulfills those promises at the same time. Some of them will say that God still has a plan for ethnic Israel. So there's nuance, so that's what actually I think would be a good example of something. It wouldn't be uh, an absolute core doctrine. Um, I think I have dispensational brothers. I've got uh, brothers who believe replacement theology, even if they would use a different term. So I just wouldn't put it in that category. And then secondly, I would also say to your point, Josh, not everybody who believes that way is an anti-Semite, for instance. That's true. Not everyone who believes that the church is the fulfillment of God's plan for Israel is an anti-Semite. I think that would be a gross mischaracterization.
0: Well, I'm clicking on this even though I know better. Elijah's still in a bathtub in his profile photo. (laughs) (laughs) Question. There seems to be a debate about penal substitutionary atonement in the chat. What are y'all's thoughts? Can you still be saved and not believe in PSA? Well, if you are saved, you are the one that enters into heaven smelling like smoke i'm just kidding i'm just kidding <laughs> it's a it joke people angry yeah i like psa i psa We're all the way <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but no I, I think you could be uh what like a well like first of yeah, all deny psa yeah yeah so it's hairy <laughs> I josh this and through. i
1: believe very strongly in psa <laughs> yeah. okay Uh, Penal substitutionary atonement that Jesus bore the penalty for our sins as our substitute, atoning for our sins, making us one with God. So so we very much believe in PSA. If uh, I would not call someone a heretic, if they believed in substitution, if they believed in uh, the atonement of Christ, but they would maybe nuance it differently. Even within PSA, there's nuances, okay? So some would see God the Father as having a more active hand in punishing the Son on the cross. Some would see Him as having a more passive hand as turning the Son over mm-hmm. to bear the penalty. Um, however we articulate PSA, we have to have a good Trinitarian theology um, because if if your articulation of PSA makes it seem like a, a raging, angry father who like hates the world, but Jesus is like, Oh, don't worry! Beat me up! Like, yeah, we don't believe that no, either. Nobody, nobody actually articulating PSA. <laughs> well, I won't say that. It actually has been articulated. That I, way. I
0: would say that there are, again, not false teachers, but ignorant teachers who take a part of what they heard in PSA and then speak confidently and assert things that they clearly do yeah. Not understand.
1: Yeah. And, and some people will say, well, Christus Victor was much more prominent throughout church history. Uh, Christus Victor is the idea that Jesus at the cross, like what was primarily taking place, uh, was that Jesus was defeating the devil and the fallen angels. He was victorious over them and victorious over death. It had, uh, n- not so much to do with him actually, you know, bearing a penalty in the wrath of God for sin and so on. Um, I I just take an approach to, I I think the New Testament talks about, uh, uh, why are you laughing over there?
0: Uh, This comment. If you did a public service announcement about Penal substitution? Would it be PSA? PSA? <laughs> it's so stupid. You know, that's it's a, such a dumb comment. This is the comment. hardest. This is but the hardest the kind thing that about cracks me a live
1: show. Is like you're you're reading the comments, and sometimes you just start laughing.
0: Yeah, you're asking but, like, why are you laughing? Well, because people are being dumb. There's like a anyway, thirty-chain, sixty-chain comment about pizza right now uh, in the comment section.
1: If, if somebody said, "I don't believe Jesus died for my sins," heretic. Sure. Okay. If somebody said, "I would articulate what's happening." In that differently but i do believe he died for my sins i would not call that heresy
0: that's fair and, and again like we're not denying a christus victor we're not denying um the, the various kinds of uh atonement theory that are out there well i didn't prep on atonement theory before the show so my mind's kind of blank on the different atonement theories that are out there um but what, what we would say is that that uh atonement is like a bit of a mosaic the atonement accomplished so much. So much took place in the atonement. Um, and some of it we see in this life and some of it we see in the next. Um, but we hold to a pretty inclusive view of the atonement in that I can hold you know, a Christus Victor view and a PSA view uh, and not have a problem oh, yeah. with that. I is love Christus Victor. Both. It's yeah. amazing. Jesus didn't win? You tell him he didn't win on the cross? Like what were yeah. we what were we talking about. Okay, uh, so hey, I think I know we're a
1: couple minutes over. This question I think should yeah, be asked. I don't mind. I'm okay. Go over. Stigliano. This is JM Stigliano, also Stigliano. known as Josh, because I happen to know that. Oh, I know Stigliano. Um, I know Stiggy. So <laughs> what's your quick take on God, parentheses, seemingly, working and moving powerfully in environments where error is taught? Uh, that's a great question. Ugh. Okay. So first of Such all, a hard question. Well, first of all, I mean, you do have Matthew chapter seven where people cast out demons and prophesy in his name, mm-hmm. but God didn't even know them mm-hmm. and they will not enter into eternal life. Okay. So first of all, it's, and we know this from Deuteronomy 13 affirms the same, t- same thing. There, there are miracle working ways of God, even amongst heretics. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's possible. And I believe in Deuteronomy 13, God says this is to test you. <laughs> um, okay, so there's that category. Another category I think of is in the Old Testament where where Moses, okay, so one time he's supposed to uh, strike the rock, and then the next time he's supposed to speak to the rock. Well, Moses, you know, got a short fuse, people being a little hangry, and, <laughs> you know, they're acting up. And, you know, so he's supposed to speak to the rock, but he strikes the rock. And guess what happens? water still comes out. Yeah. So God doesn't like withhold water from the people because Moses jacked up, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so in the same way, like if God's up in heaven waiting for all the pastors and teachers to get everything right, nothing's going to be blessed ever. And I would say that there are times when God just loves the sheep so much. He's going to heal people at a conference by somebody who... Does some weird stuff, you know. Somebody, I mean, some, so you have the heretic case. You also have those who are like they're just off base. Maybe call it a nar church, right? The nar yeah. is not heresy, usually. Usually, right? nar
0: is not usually heresy, according to Doug and Holly Pivick. Well, that's not our opinion. Well, it's not Doug Pivick. You guys know what I'm saying. I can never think of Doug's last name. Doug and Holly. Yeah. Anyway, our episode. That's their opinion. Yeah. Anyway, it's not heresy, but there is error there, and yeah.
1: God actually does do miracles there.
0: And I think he just really loves people. Okay, so here's here's a direct question, though, um, by Parker. Is, did Parker ask this question? Nope. Okay, well, Parker is like, hey, the UPC is heretical in your standards because UPC deny the Trinity uh, and you have to speak in tongues to be saved. Yet, in my experience, I've seen God move mightily in signs and wonders in the lives of those people. How do you explain that uh, and what they have is aberrant? Like, uh, uh, if they, yeah. they deny the Trinity, my if they answer, deny the tri-
1: Yeah, I would put it heresy. in. Yeah, I would put it in the category of the Matthew chapter 7 yep. miracles, the Deuteronomy 13
0: miracles. Um, I would put it in that category. It's an objective thing. And it's it, like, again, the UPC church is extremely legalistic, extremely works-based. It's not just one area of doctrine that is harmful and hurtful. Um, it's there. There's a plurality of errors um, in that community. And again, I don't say that with any level of joy or glee. Like I say that with a broken heart. Like, I love these people, and I want them to come to a knowledge of the truth. Um, but as God has revealed Himself in the Scriptures, that is a triune God, uh, and that is an exclusive, an exclusive statement. I realize, but it is a it is a biblical and historical statement nonetheless. So I would, I die on that hill. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So let's do a closing thought because we're at time. I know a few of you guys. Y'all had a lot of questions here at the end. We tried to get to them. We went a few minutes over. They noticed that we're taking questions, so they keep asking them. (laughs) Okay, so let's do a closing thought. I I think here would be mine. If we want to rightly divide the word of truth, part of that is dividing between the difference of essential and peripheral. If we want to rightly divide the word of truth, because if I'm going to start calling peripheral, if I'm going to start using the label heresy on Mm -hmm. things that are peripheral, which by nature throughout church history has been an authoritative exclusionary pronouncement. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to do that, then I am not rightly dividing the word of truth. I'm dividing the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I would say. Rightly divide the word of truth, distinguish well between essential and peripheral. And recognize your own human tendency to make peripheral things essential because that's the anthropology of man. We all think our own way is best. We can stand on church history on what the essentials are, but we cannot stand on the righteousness of our own human hearts.
0: Yeah, I'd say I'd say you stand before God um, for every idle word. Everything that we say, we're going to give an account for it. Um, so I would ask that you have a similar posture when we do these shows in particular, when we're calling out people by name and we know we're about to, we spend time in prayer. We seek the Lord and we we try to discern if this is um, a good heart and a good posture to take when we talk about these things. Um, and when you jump on a Facebook chat because you see a video and you just, you're going to make a statement that says, you know, for example, Furtick's a heretic. Okay. Now, if you believe that and you want to spend time Articulating that, it's both important to say what is right and say what is right with the right posture. Okay. Again, I'm not claiming that Fergus a heretic. I explained it earlier, I haven't spent the time to, to research it myself. Um, here's the thing um, there was a woman who followed around, followed around uh, the Apostle Paul and told that they, she was screaming, right? She was saying, These men are from God. These men are from God, right? Remember that? And then Paul cast the demon out of her. Because she was saying the right thing, but she was saying it in the wrong spirit. And I find that there are tons of Christians online right now who are saying the right thing, but they're saying it in the wrong spirit. Uh-huh. And the world and the church looks at that and says, I don't think that's Jesus. Or, or and if it is Jesus, the world sees it, and it is Jesus, I don't want any part in it. Um, we've got to make sure that when we're speaking truth, we are speaking truth in love. Um, that's an important thing that I would encourage people and, and to realize it, we're going to take an account for every idle word. So, uh, let's be, let's be aware of that and careful and how we speak about people who are potentially brothers and sisters. Um, before we sign off, I want to remind people about the stuff that we've been coming out with on Patreon. Uh, the final episode of demystifying the gifts of the spirit with me and Miller uh, came out, uh, today. So all six episodes have been uploaded as low as five bucks a month. You can watch all of that content. It'll be really encouraging and edifying to you. Michael and I have also been working on a series on worship. Uh, watching worship uh, songs, listening to worship songs, and and trying to figure out, is this a biblical song? Is this theologically accurate? And we're coming out with a series that we're going to start filming this Friday on uh, 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 the foundations of the Christian faith. That's right. Essential principles. So that will be coming out on Patreon as well. Lots of really great content on there. And and one thing that I'm excited about the most about Patreon is May 15th, we're going to be going through... Uh, well, Saturday is going to start our first, our first episode, and every Saturday following, we're going to be going through a chapter of uh, Do- uh, Martin what's his name? Walter Martin's. uh, Walter Martin's book, Kingdom of the Colts. We're going to be going through that book. Chapter one starts May 15th. That's Saturday. We're going to gather together on Patreon. There's going to be a Zoom link. We're all going to go to the Zoom link, check it out. And we're going to talk about chapter one. If that's something you want to be a part of, you want to dialogue with that community, I'm going to be there in that chat dialoguing with you guys. If that's something you want to be a part of, make sure to go over to Patreon. Again, as low as five bucks a month, we try to keep the threshold really low uh, so that everyone can afford it. Uh, But if you're out there, you're so poor, your baloney can't afford, your baloney b- can't afford a first name, uh, then you can reach out to me at media at theerimnatradio.com and I'd, I'd love to send you that because I understand what it's like to be broke. Uh, <laughs> man, that's, uh, that's a great show. It's a good show. Do you like it?
1: I, I evaluate it thumbs up. Your eyebrow, you say, I already you, gave say it, you honor
0: it with your mouth. I gave it a thumbs up. If you guys
1: liked me. it, give it a thumbs up and subscribe. Wait, how did that happen? I don't know what you did. I, I muted you on accident. I'm sorry. Dude, I I said profound things that you just muted. I did. Y'all will never be able to know what they were.
0: We'll see you guys next time. Blessings, (laughs) like, subscribe, share the video. And uh, we'll see you next time. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Remnant Radio. Uh, If you like this video, we actually put together a playlist that has a whole bunch of content just like what is in this video. So I hope you enjoy. And if you got a little bit of extra spare time, maybe check out some of those other videos. It was a great episode. That's crazy. How many people? Well, it's the subject want to thank Kairos Classrooms for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio. And if you're out there, you've ever wondered, hey, I wonder if learning a biblical language would be a supplemental tool for me to help me in my biblical studies. Well, you need to check out Kairos Classrooms. They offer Greek and Hebrew classes that can help teach you and train you. It's a live classroom environment with actual students and actual live teachers, and they help teach you the biblical languages of Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. There's a link in the description, and you can use the promo code remnant to get 10% off. These classes are already crazy affordable, but with the promo code remnant R E M in a N T, you'll get 10% off of Kairos classroom. So check that out today. And thank you so much for Kairos for sponsoring this episode of remnant radio.